something different. If we were to go or ask around the room, you know, what your, what your personal struggle is, um, they, they'd all be different. If, if we were honest, it'd be deep too. It'd be that hidden thing, right? No one needs to know about. And God is saying, what we want to do is we want to shift the balance. Um, turn that weakness into a positive by dwelling on right things. Allow your mind to work through the intricacies of your thought and pull that right thing, uh, if you will, or allow that right thing to pull out that weakness that is within so that you can become stronger in that area to, if you will, confront or face your challenges or confront or face that devil that's living within you. Confront it. Be willing to stand strong against it Dwelling on right things is what helps us to get there. Now, the next thought is down in Hebrews chapter 5. So here's the idea. The idea is to train the mind to think Jesus' thoughts first. Right? Think about Jesus for just a moment. So he's a man, uh, 100% man, 100% God at the same time, and, and you know, which is a God thing, but um, the first... Every situation he had to think about fulfilling the prophecy and, and obeying the will of God. So first, obeying, obeying the will of God. Secondly, fulfilling the prophecy. Whatever those prophecies were. So in the life of Jesus, he fulfilled, you know, how many number of prophecies from the Old Testament. He had to have right thinking at all times. Well, that, that right there is, is merely impossible for us. But it's a thing that we ought to begin to practice to where we have right thinking all the time. Even if we have to pause for a moment, that's why the Bible says the wise man uh, ponders before he gives an answer. Ponder for just a moment and think about what is the correct or the right response in this particular situation that we're in. Training the mind, working continually and constantly at right living and right things, even in difficult or, or struggling circumstances, to have Christ-like thinking always first. And then my will and my thought always last. To where eventually through training and through practice like an athlete uh, or a professional in any, in any uh, field of work, he thinks about his profession before he thinks about himself. And so in Christ, we are Christians first. So we think about Christ before we think about ourselves. See, that's a very hard uh, transformation to go from self to Christ as opposed to Christ. To self. So I'm thinking about Jesus first, self last, in every circumstance and in every situation. What does that take? Training, right? So listen to Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, verse 11 or 12, I think. Now, we'll go to verse 12, but I, would like, I should have began at verse 11. I'm going to begin at verse 11. Our text begins at verse 12. Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to become teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So there's this discernment that goes on in the mind continuously, and it comes through practice. And as we are, uh, you know, we, of course, have our, our senses are heightened, um, we, we become prepared 
at all times to discern good from evil. There's that conflict. Because my mind doesn't always dwell on good. <laughs> right? How about yours? It, it sometimes shifts to the evil. And you wonder, how did I... You ever ask yourself, how did I, how did I even get there? How did I go from here to, to there? And you, you just wonder how... how but that's, that's the point about this transformation of the mind that must occur. It occurs. It's not going to happen when you go to sleep and wake up. You have to practice. You have to go through those biblical scenarios that God has given to us uh, over and over again. You read through these accounts, and as you read them, you, you, know, you can put yourself, personalize it, put yourself in that position and say, okay, now in this situation, here's what I've learned. All right, when these things come your way, this is how you respond. It's training. It's the same way we train in every other aspect of life. It's just training. To train my mind to discern good and evil. To train my mind to think of good before I think of evil. How about that in respect of right living in comparison or should I say in the relationship with brethren. Always doing the right thing. Even when it hurts. Always doing the right thing. Turn to Romans 12 and verse uh, 17. To dwell on what's right means to practice what is right. So that the practice in my heart, the dwelling in my heart, manifests itself in good deeds or good works. And that's what I want. That's what we want as Christians. Verse 17, it says, um, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. That is such a very simple verse, but how deep that verse really is when you let allow it to sink deep into your heart. Right? So you start going through the scenarios of life and ask yourself the question, how many times have you honestly and truly paid someone evil for evil? Right? You, I mean, you don't think about that. That's between you and God. Right? How many times have you literally paid someone back evil for evil? You know, they they said something uh, horrible to you and you gave them the stink eye. Well, that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> that's a response. But it's also, I want you to know I heard that or I'm trying to get a mess. I'm trying to convey a message to the other individual in some way, some kind of message. Or, well, you slash my tires, I'll slash yours. Or whatever, paying back evil for you. How many times have you done that? So God says, look, I need you to train your mind not to think that way. Train your mind to learn how to do what Jesus said. Turn the other cheek. Allow some things to just be forgiven. Let it go. That's hard. (laughs) Just let it go. Instead of reviling, Jesus did not revile in return. While being reviled, he did not revile. He didn't pay back evil for evil. Let it go. Do I always have to have the last word? Yeah. No. Do I always have to engage in an argument? Yeah. No. No, you don't. Allow your mind to be trained in right or righteous living. Respect. The last part of that verse. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. So now we're talking about doing right things. Now here's here's where the conflict is. Right things. Respecting what's right in the sight of all men. Right things aren't always done the right way. In other words, a thief uh, who believes, uh, all thieves know it's wrong to steal. 
They don't practice what they believe, but they believe it's wrong to steal. Now, when do you see that uh, exemplified in their lives or in their minds? A thief makes a, a big steal, whatever, a big job. He does a big job, and, and then he goes out and he takes whatever he stole, and he, he buries it in his backyard. While another thief somewhere sees that, and later the night, in the night, goes out, digs up what was buried, and he steals it from the thief. And then the thief says, I can't believe you stole that from me. <laughs> right? A thief, a thief doesn't mind stealing from you, but doesn't want you to steal from them. So respecting what is right in the sight of all men doesn't mean that people are going to do the right thing, but that's not what the challenge is. The challenge is, regardless of what anyone does, you do the right thing. Right? You always do the right thing. What a conflict of the heart. In order to get to that place, if you will, of right living and dwelling on right living is to be able to, is to practice these things. Practice these things so that your mind can learn to dwell on right living. You can analyze it. You can say, look at how that turned out. Well, praise God that I did the right thing. I'm thankful that God gave me the energy, the foresight, the insight uh, to do the right thing, the strength to do the right thing. And wow, I just feel really good about that. Thank you, Lord. And then analyze when you've, when you've made the wrong decision, you've done the wrong thing and realize, look, this didn't turn out so well. And what happened was my conscience now bothers me, right? Because I'm a Christian, as a child of God, the difference is, as a child of God, one of the differences, is not that we always do the right thing. It's that we recognize when we've done the evil thing and it actually bothers us. That's a blessing. That's a blessing from God. That's a gift because you, you now have a, your conscience bothers you and now you need to make it right. And now you, you can't wait for the opportunity to make the wrong right. Where the world, they don't care. They just go on with their life and, uh, in evil living. So we are supposed to live our lives and dwell in our minds and in our hearts on things that are good and things that are right and things that are pure and things that are lovely, you know, good repute and, and we'll continue on. I want to go to Proverbs chapter 1. I want to read six verses as the introduction. Um, I want to key in on one particular uh, verse. In fact, I want, I'm, I'll tell you, I want to key in on verse um, verse 3. And I want you to think about what we're talking about. Okay, if you were the author through by way of inspiration of the book of Proverbs, and as you're writing this, I want you to key in on Solomon. And, and, and this idea of right living or, or righteousness or doing the right thing uh, always. Verse, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So all that we've been talking about uh, in regards to training our minds, you can find in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, uh, as uh, I think I already mentioned this before, uh, 31 chapters in it, uh, you can read a chapter uh, a, a day, and, and you'll have the whole book read. You can read it 12 times in a year. 
right? And think about the wisdom you're going to gain about living, about right living and circumstances and situations and training your mind as you read. You'll get to see things, open your eyes up and see what um, what Solomon is writing, um, things that you you've witnessed in your own heart, and then. Uh, when you when you really become skilled at reading those chapters, uh, you know you get used to it, and it's an easy thing for you to do. Then add twelve chapters of Ecclesiastes with it, right? And, and that, and you do that every month. You'll be amazed at how much wisdom you'll grow in, or where you'll grow in your wisdom, and your ability to discern. And that's really important to discern. So I'm keying in on verse three to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, the idea of, of fairness and doing the right thing. So right carries with it the idea of straight, right? Straight, to live in a straight or to walk in a, a straight line uh, as opposed to a crooked one, right? So makes sense to walk straight, to not veer away from, right? Stay on the path. At uh, every, Jesus talks about that in Matthew seven. We'll we'll look at that in just a second. It right carries with it the idea of of making holy to you know to be to be sanctified, right? Separated, separate, separate and apart, to be sanctified, to be set apart from uh, worldliness or worldly thinking. Right carries with it the idea to make right. Right? Repentance. When I've done wrong, what do you do? Turn back. Get get back on the path. You've gotten off the path. Get back on the path. So right carries this this idea of of straightness. You know, doing doing the right thing. Doing the right thing does not mean that you're perfect, but it means do the right thing. So if you've done something wrong, then make it right. <laughs> right. It's always doing the right thing, even the negative. So when the negative presents itself, you find yourself. Uh, gaining the ideas of going to the positive. You always want to be in the right, in the positive way of thinking. So there's a, you've, you've heard this from Edward Burke. Is it him? Let me check. Edmund, excuse me. Edmund Burke. So I wrote his name down so I wouldn't forget. Uh, the only thing necessary for triumph, the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. But think about that quote in, in the, the, um, you know, shouldn't that be easy to see and recognize that if 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 good men would do something, then all the evil would go away? But that's that's not that's not necessarily um, always true. As the people of God, though, we strive to do good. We become the light in a dying world, right? We become we become the the beacon that people strive after. Be like what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. So you could follow the good attributes of Paul as you're following the good attributes of Christ. And you can see things in Paul about yourself or Peter or whomever it may be that you couldn't see in Christ. And so it sometimes is easier to follow Paul than it is to follow Christ because we relate more to Paul or Peter or whomever it may be in the Bible than we do to Christ because Christ lived a perfect life. But follow good as good follows Christ or as Christ brought good into the world. Whatever whatever is right, I need to dwell on things that are right. 
things that are upright, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Keeping the laws of God, um, doing the, the right thing, uh, to walk on the straight and narrow, to live an innocent, a life of innocence, right? So think about that for just a moment, to live a life of innocence. Now, this is, we talk to our young folks and we, and we say, you know, you, you, you've got to live a life of innocence and do the right thing and be like God. Well, I grew up outside of the church. <laughs> I know what happened to people, whether you didn't matter if you were homeschooled or not, people who were living a life of innocence uh, and trying to live for Christ, the world ate them up, ate them alive. It is difficult to live a life of innocence. And then when that child looks at us and realizes you're a grown adult and you're not living a life of innocence, it makes it even that much more difficult to live that kind of lifestyle. But it's a choice uh, and it's it's a it's a mental commitment to going against the the grain, if you will, to going against the crowd. It gets tiring. It becomes wearisome. When when someone asks the question, "Why did God establish um, organized religion where we all come together and we meet, uh, even in the face of, of, of you know chaos and all those things?" Because we can't make this on our own. You have to have someone in your corner as a human being, right? Where human beings do not dwell, uh, do well rather, uh, alone. We, we need, we need help. We need assistance. Uh, God taught us that with, with uh, Adam in, in the garden. You know, he said, I need a help meet for Adam. And there were reasons for that, but I need, he needed a help meet. We need each other. And so we need a team, if you will. We do better with a team than we do by, our, by ourselves. And so it's important and imperative that we encourage all the young Christians to be together, to encourage each other in right living so they're not out there on their own trying to do the right thing while being swallowed up by the world. It's important and imperative that parents have that open door where you can talk to your young teenager or child growing up, preteen, etc., about right living in the midst of a cruel and, and horrible world. It forms and shapes our opinions and personalities, right? Um, so Jesus, Jesus says it in Matthew 7 in verse, in verse 13. He says, To enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and many... Um, are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and few are those who who find it. So imagine, I mean, think about it. You've been there before, right? And and so church, this is why it's so important that when um, when we have an opportunity to be together, to make sure that we're together. You can't do this by yourself. I mean, I, the, amazing, the amazing trick of Satan is to make us think that we can, you can't. You you can you cannot beat um, a, a Satan within or without, uh, and all the satanic, uh, you know, wickedness that's all around. Stuff you can't even see. There are things going on in this world that you don't even know about, and I know it, and you know it, right? We don't want to know about them. The wickedness and the evil that's going on, we don't want to know. You don't want to know. Satan is horrible. And he has these uh, these schemes 
Um, and he's always trying to get us. And he's always laying traps. And he's always trying to get us to give in. And we, we're trying to do the right thing and think about the right thing, but he's always trying to get us. And he's always trying to, to get us to think about the bad stuff. You know, dwell on this, don't dwell on that. But God says, no, dwell on right living, dwell on righteousness. But think about how thoughts, if you will, from trouble can consume you. Right? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right? How it can just consume you. And, 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 and with the desire to, to ultimately destroy you. So Christ saying, I want you in the face of adversity to dwell on the right things. And as you're walking that straight, which, which is a conflict, right? As you're walking down that straight path for Jesus, that difficult path, you're going against it. Everybody else is going this way, if you will. They are, they are all going this way and you are going that way. And then we're all spread out. <laughs> we're all spread out. Uh, we're like, uh, we're like the stars in the sky. Imagine the stars. You look into the sky and you see the stars and they're all, they're all spread out. But there's, there's, I mean, we can't even count the stars, but they're all spread out. But what do you see more of? Darkness. Darkness. And that's like us. We're like those little stars on the earth and all around us is darkness. And we're kind of all alone. There's husband and wife and family, but Greater than that, there's a church family. And we get this opportunity to come together to encourage each other, not knowing, not knowing what our brother or sister has gone through, uh, through their week or through their day. And just to be amongst family, giving them the energy and the strength to continue on and carry on throughout that day. That's why God designed, um, organized religion where you have a church body that meets together physically, that sees each other and communicates with one another because it's something about being on a team and a winning team, a team of people who struggle with you that gives you the energy and the excitement to go on. We can't do this all by ourselves. It's an impossibility. God knows that, and I think Satan does too. So Jesus says, as you're, as you're living your life, you're walking the straight and narrow path recognize that many, the majority, are not even on that road. You know, they are on that road. They're trying to push us off the road. You, you've done it. You've walked through a, through a crowd of, of, if you've gone on a vacation somewhere uh, where there are lots and lots of people, and you've gone through that crowd where there's a bunch of hustle and bustle, and people are close, and you're going this way, and it feels like everyone else, they're going the opposite way, and you're wondering if you're going the right way. But you have to get there. It's difficult. And that's what it's like with Satan in this world. It's difficult. But God says to walk the straight and narrow for that is the purpose, right? We find purpose then in our Christian life with Jesus Christ. So to dwell on these things means I am going to think about the joy because I can see the forest of the trees. I am going to think about the joy of living for Jesus and dwelling on right things. God with man, personal relationship. God with me, and then man with man, myself with others. Think about the joy of self, uh, of rather service and sacrifice for Jesus. As I'm walking down that path of, of, uh, of right living, if you will, and thinking about the right thing, think about the joy 
and allow it to carry me to the end. Think about this for a moment. And you've been there, I'm sure, where, again, you're going down the, the, the path, the, the corridor, or whatever it may be, the open streets, and there are lots of folks coming this way, and you're going that way. And, and think about how, how you're bumped off, and they push you around, and you, you, know, and, and you have to hold hands. If you're, if you're walking with someone, you hold the hand of the person in front of you, and they kind of form a line, and you walk through, and it's just, it's just chaotic. And that's what our world is like with sin. Right and struggle and Satan and wickedness, but there's a joy of continuing down that that difficult road with Jesus because of the blessing in the end. So Jesus, he never actually uh, Acts chapter twenty. We don't have a record of him saying this except for what Paul says. Paul says Jesus said this, and here's what Paul said Jesus said in verse thirty five. Acts chapter twenty. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he's talking about in here in the context, you know, as he gave himself to the Lord, he gave himself to the church at uh, Ephesus or to the Ephesian uh, members of the body of Christ and even the world to give yourself to right living to the right thing, to sacrifice uh, in service to the Lord. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 for just a moment. To think on the holy nature of God. So I'm closing, you know, we'll we'll see how far we, we get, but I'm closing with the thought tonight of how is your faith, right? Tonight, how is your faith in the midst of pandemonium, struggle, right, chaos? We got there's always a lot to complain about right now, right? We could start, we could put up a PowerPoint slide with all kinds of with a long list of things to to, to just complain about. And God says, "Get off of that road. That road's not going to do you any good. Let's make a long list of things to be thankful about." Let's make a long list of things to be happy about. Let's make a long list of things to be sacrificial in. Let's make a long list of, of what we see Jesus doing in the lives of humanity in this very struggle. Let, let's not complain about what we don't like, but let's rather rejoice in the, the blessing of just being alive and the opportunity to, to carry on the work of God. We could make an amazing list of things to complain about. You notice that negativity never makes it very far? I mean, think about this. What if they had a newspaper or a, a, or a news station, and all they did was broadcast? I mean, we say we love this. They just bought, they just, all the positive things, that's all they ever, you know what? That would not, it wouldn't last very long. People are prone to hear evil. They don't really care about good stuff. I mean, I hate to be honest, but I gotta be honest, right? You can't, you can't tell a lie. I mean, think about that. How, how much would you love to hear a, a station that all it talked about was nothing but good stuff, nothing bad in the world, just brought out all the good little attributes about this person, and then this flower was that, and, and this, and nothing bad at all. We'd first become um, skeptical. We'd say, wait a minute, everything can't be good. Well, because we know it's true, it, it can't be, because this isn't heaven. Well, in our faith, in our walk of faith, what Jesus does is Jesus wants us to turn all the negatives into good. 
right? Turn all the negatives into positives. And we have the power of mind to do that. Quickly, Galatians 3 and verse 11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. So, I ask you in closing this lesson out, how is your faith tonight? How is your faith? Have um, have you found yourself dwelling on so much negativity that has actually made you bitter? That happens, right? Have you found your life so chaotic because of all the things going on around us that, yeah, it's kind of brought hatred in your heart? God is trying to keep us from this. You know, the peace that surpasses all understanding comes to those who uh, pray and give their, uh, they have no anxiety in their heart. They give everything to Jesus. They make supplications to God. And God gives them this manner of peace. So God says, please dwell on that which is right, that which is true, that which is honorable. Try to find the good in life and focus on that. And though there's evil all around us, try to find the good. Try to, try to cause your mind to, to fixate on the good, on the positive, on the, well, I know God's going to take care of that. Try to find the ability to do that. Well, that's what God is telling us to do when he says, let your mind dwell on these things. The rest of the uh, items, as we continue on, probably won't uh, be as as long as we close this one out low well, the next week. But uh, we're talking about life enrichment. How to how to go from from this negative way of thinking and this negative lifestyle and this le- negative mindset to become this man of peace and grace and happiness and joy and bring that joy and peace and happiness and richness of Christ that's in you to everyone else in the world that comes around you. So they want people that are around you. They can't wait to be around you. And I ask you something like, hey, tell me a good word today. And then you can tell them what Jesus has to say today. So thank you to your, for your... Thank you for your time and your kind attention. We're going to go into a, uh, a Devo here in, in just a moment. If you are interested in knowing more about, about God, uh, please contact us. We would love to sit down and study with you uh, to help you to learn more about Jesus. If there's anything that we can possibly do, uh, please let us know. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you again.